0: Welcome back to the Guys in Ties podcast. This is Dustin. I've got Rob on the phone. It is almost election day. We're doing this on Monday. Uh, election day is tomorrow. I hope that everyone, by the time you listen to this, it'll probably be over or close to over, but hopefully uh, you have voted. That is our um, one of our responsibilities as Americans to vote. And, um, and speaking of voting, I'm not surprised that Virginia didn't get any votes in the top 25 this week but like we looked like a team that maybe could get some votes later on if we keep scoring like that rob um before we get into it though how are you doing how was your weekend
1: i'm great man you know that was a terrific segue into uva football (laughs) yeah no i'm great man watch the game obviously very very happy with the result kind of a bit unexpected even. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was a good time watching that game, man.
0: I'm going to be completely honest, Rob. Uh we, we didn't do a podcast last week for a couple of different reasons. I was busy. It, the quarter just ended at my school, so I was grading a lot of stuff and cuz I'm a bad teacher and I don't grade things until the last moment. <laughs> <laughs> and um but also, I mean, part of me was just like, you know, what? Like what are we going to talk about? We just got We just lost to Miami. Um, We're playing a UNC team that's got a really dynamic quarterback and a really good offense. Like, what chances do we have? And so that was part of my thought. And then, of course, we come out and we win the game. Uh, Granted, we had some cardiac calves action at the end with um, the fake punt. And, of course, UNC scoring two touchdowns in under two minutes in the fourth quarter. So they didn't we did they didn't make it easy, but they did win, and I would say it's a really good win, definitely the best win of the season so far. <laughs> we only have two it's not a hard choice, but best win of the season it's a good win. Carolina hasn't beaten us in football in a long time um and we're gonna get all into it, but first, we want to talk about our sponsor, bet online. The wait is finally over. Football is in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today to use the promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your sportsbook experts. let's talk about the UNC game win over UNC who's win 44 to 41 and what was your overall thought um, during the game and maybe even rewatching the game
1: yeah you know this is a game where if you look at the box score you just ask yourself How did Virginia win this game? You know, (laughs) you look at Sam Howell, 23 for 28 for 443 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. You know, you look at Diane Brown, the wide receiver for North Carolina, 11 receptions, 240 yards, 54 uh, is long there. And, you know, they had explosive plays even from his uh, younger brother. Had a 76 yard touchdown. So you look at this and you're like, how did Virginia win this game? Mm -hmm. And because, like, especially when you look on our stats, you know, Brennan Armstrong, 12 for 22 for 208 yards, you know, that doesn't pop off anywhere at you, you know, like it's kind of crazy. But Virginia was really, really opportunistic. And you talk about playing well and the right sequences of the game, which is something that Bronco really, really talks about. You know, that's exactly what Virginia did. You know, right before halftime, they recover the muff punt and score a touchdown. And then, um, you know, also right before halftime, that botched play sequence on the goal line for Carolina cost them not just seven points, but three points. You know, the Charles Snowden strip sack in the second half that gets UVA points. You know, this was just UVA taking advantage of situational football. And at the end of the day, North Carolina put up a lot more yards had more explosive plays. But Virginia made enough plays. You know, there was enough of the explosive plays on offense and they were just more opportunistic. They were better at scoring touchdowns and field goals. Mm -hmm. And they gave themselves these opportunities, not just through the offense, but through all three phases of the game. So, you know, for a team that, you know, I've said this on Twitter, this team has its limitations. We know the secondary is not good this year, you know, and they're even banged up. So you add that to the next too. And we know on offense, we struggle to get explosive plays. But UVA was able to work around that, and, you know, they were able to get enough out of their offense to make it happen. So, you know, really, really, like, again, if you look at the box score, you're just like, what is happening here? Yeah. But Virginia, you know, played well enough in all three phases of the game to beat the Mac Brown coach. UNC squad
0: can we can we take like a break from talking about UVA football for a second and talk about this you UNC team this is a team that is very perplexing to me and I just want to tell you why because last year Sam Howell comes in he's a fantastic quarterback I think he's great um, I really like the way he throws and clearly he loves playing against UVA I mean you know this year he had you you know 443 yards four touchdowns Uh, When we played them last year, he actually had uh, 353 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Kind of a similar stat line, although 100 less passing yards. And they lost that game as well. When UNC loses when Sam Howell plays, they do not lose by much at all. In their uh, six losses last year, they lost by six. They lost by three, they lost by one, they lost by three in that six overtime game to Tech, they lost by a touchdown to us, and then they lost by seven again in overtime to Pitt. So they don't lose by much last year. I think when people thought really highly of UNC and their offense coming into this year's game because they score a lot of points and you know they put up 53 in their bowl game against Temple. This year, you know, they put up a lot of points against. Uh, they scored thirty-one against Syracuse. They scored fifty-six against Tech uh, in in their win against Tech, and they put up forty in the last two games against NC State and us. Are over forty against us, but um, still, those losses are small. They lost by three to Florida State, and then they lose by three to us. So it must be incredibly frustrating as a unc fan to know that this team could easily be undefeated this year but also last year you know they lose by one to number one clemson they lose by three to app state um they lose in six overtimes to tech by three or by two it's just an incredible kind of run for this unc team where it feels like sometimes the luck has tipped the other way you know what i'm saying
1: yeah, and, you know, not to make this a UNC podcast, but, you know, <laughs> a lot of that is what the criticism of Mac Brown is. You know, mm-hmm. Mac Brown can recruit at a high level, but can he coach at a high level still? Yep. And North Carolina, you know, continues to pull in just these terrific recruiting classes. But, yeah, you know, from a North Carolina perspective, this is a bad loss. Yeah. You know, the Florida State game was a bad loss, and this is certainly a bad loss for them. Now, the flip side of that coin, you look at UVA, you know, this is – Obviously, a big win for UVA. You know, mm. it was funny. I saw uh, people were complaining on the message boards. They're like, "How come like we never post our videos of like breaking the rock after we win games?" Like, I feel like we haven't seen that in forever. <laughs> Someone was like, "Dude, we haven't won a game since like beginning of September." Yeah. So like, <laughs> this was a big uh, win for UVA. You know, It moves them to two and four, which you know is not a great record. We know that, but it's better than one and five, and You know, hopefully Brendan Armstrong is back next week. He got a little dinged up at the end of the game, had to pull him out on that last drive against Carolina. So, and, you know, by the way, I'm sure that factored into the decision to go for it on that Mm -hmm. fake punt. But, you know, assuming Brendan Armstrong is back next week, you know, this is an opportunity for UVA to build a little bit of momentum. They've got Louisville, which was, you know, admittedly handled by Virginia Tech this weekend. So they get Louisville next week. And then you get a buy, hopefully a chance for people to get healthy. And then uh, you're looking at Abilene Christian. Mm -hmm. So you know this is a chance if UVA can beat Louisville, you know, to build a little bit of momentum here. And you know we know this Virginia team isn't great, but there's a big difference in going, you know, call it three and eight versus maybe five and six or six and five. You know this is just chance for UVA to kind of salvage a bit of the disappointment, you know, especially from. NC State and Wake Forest and really yeah. even Miami, a game they had a chance to win. Yeah.
0: And you know, even our you know, our two and four record, it it's a, like a good two and four, I would say, if there is such a thing. Because <laughs> like you look at our loss to Clemson. They're Clemson, really good team. Um, of course, Trevor Lawrence is gonna be out for that Notre Dame game, but they've gotta like it doesn't really matter. They just like handle their opponents, although they were down eighteen to B C, but they came back and won that game. Clemson's just got a lot of tools that UVA doesn't have at this point in this program's, you know, career or not career. But like the at this point in history, this UVA team does not have the same weapons that a Clemson team does right now. Of course, Brennan Armstrong gets concussion against NC State right at the very beginning. We don't have a really good backup. Lindell Stone is thrown into the mix uh, and we lose that game 38-21 same thing with Wake Forest. We did a weird kind of three quarterback system. Wake Forest, I think, is admittedly probably better than a lot of people give them credit for. And they handle us 40 to 23. And then, of course, we go down to Miami, who is a top 25 team, lose 19 to 14. And then we beat a pretty good UNC squad 44 to 41. I would say this is probably the best two and four record we could hope for. At this point, I think there's a lot of excuses there. Not that we're looking for excuses, but like there's reasons why this team didn't win those four in a row that we lost.
1: Yeah. And, you know, obviously chief among them is, you know, Brennan Armstrong's injury. That certainly hurt um, a lot, you know, especially NC State and also Wake Forest, obviously. And we should say, you know, we're starting to get a bit more clarity on the quarterback situation behind Brennan Armstrong. Ira Armstead did not play against UNC. Rumor has it that he's likely out for the season. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting development. And, you know, we had Keaton Thompson uh, had a press conference today, and he was able to give a little bit of clarity on his shoulder that, you know, his shoulder can take, you know, call it 20 to 30 throws on a game day, but it just doesn't. He's not able to throw the amount that he needs to in practice on a daily basis mm-hmm. to really prepare for a game. So, you know he's not really a legitimate option there either. So we're figuring things out. Although I will say, you know, Keaton Thompson and kind of the Swiss Army knife, call it Taysom Hill role, on against UNC played mm-hmm. really, really well. He yeah. was really key in a lot of situations. Now, the one thing I do want to say about this season, you know, we're halfway through the season now. We're figuring out more about this team, and this season actually reminds me so much of the 2017 season for uva second year under bronco mendenhall Mm -hmm. uva starts out five and one and then you know they go one and five down the stretch one and six if you include the military bowl but if you remember you know we were one and five and we're feeling pretty good you know we had had kind of the easier portion of our schedule to start the season but whatever all the coaches kept telling us is you know there's just such a thin margin for error with this team you know The explosive plays are limited. That was really the only offense that team had, you know, their weaknesses still kind of across the roster. And that's what this season reminds me of. You know, this season is a season where UVA is transitioning quarterbacks. Um, You know, it's a season where we're breaking in a lot of new players, many of whom are transfers because, you know, there was just attrition that the underclassmen weren't ready to fill. And, you know, the secondary obviously just isn't good this year. So yeah. when you bring up the point about how, you know, maybe we're a good two and four, you know, that's mm-hmm. just kind of what we're dealing with this season. And, you know, a couple plays each game are going to decide most of these ball games. And the margin for error is just thin. And UVA has to play complementary football like we saw. You know, the defense has to make plays in critical situations. The special teams, you know, not only cannot make mistakes, but they need to make plays, too. And on offense, we need to continue, you know, to A, be balanced. You know, I love how we had 51 rushing attempts to 22 pass attempts. Mm -hmm. You know, not so much the number, but just the fact that there was a semblance of balance and even tilted more heavily towards running the ball. Um, So this, this is just a UVA team that needs to play well in pretty much every phase of the game to win. And, you know, I think we've seen in situations that they can do that. So, you know, the hope is that you can just carry that through the season and, you know, what looked kind of bleak, you know, a week or two ago, you know, maybe if they can continue these types of efforts, you know, again, we're not going to the Orange Bowl this year, but maybe get a more respectable record and maybe even push, uh, you know, that five and six, six and five mark.
0: Yeah, I like what you said about uh, Keaton Thompson, especially, you know, he's saying his shoulder is hurt. Luckily, you know. Brennan only threw 22 passes in this game uh, as opposed to 51 rushes. And I would say Keaton Thompson's strength is more his rushing. And of course, we haven't seen his passing because of his shoulder. But, like, if he, you know, Brennan only completed 12 passes for two, 208 yards and 12 passes, three touchdowns, one pick. That's pretty good, like, if you're only throwing 22 passes. Um, if we don't, if we're going to be a power running team, uh, you know, Brennan gets 20 carries. Keaton Thompson gets 10 carries. Wayne has 10 carries. Shane Simpson led the team in rushing yards with eight carries. I think, you know, we could be that power rushing team that we kind of envisioned we would be this year. You know, we didn't know how the passing game would look with Bryce Perkins leaving. And it seems like this coaching staff and maybe Anai uh, Bob, as some people like to call him, <laughs> it kills me. People on Twitter, when they're mad at I they just go Bob. <laughs> um but yeah when when an eye, you know, runs the ball fifty one times uh with a four point one average, two hundred ten yards, three touchdowns, that's that shows me that this is where this team is heading kind of into the second half of the season, where we are gonna be running the ball, power running uh, just get it, fall forward, and, you know, I wouldn't mind some power running. You know, I like it. I'm all here for the big plays, but I'm also here for the, you know, killer drives. You know, that nine-minute drive that we had in the fourth quarter um, to try and ice that game, and, of course, we uh, kick a field goal at the end of it. I think that's the kind of football that this team needs to play because clearly our defense, especially the secondary, is really struggling right now. And a lot of it due to injuries, some of it due to COVID, some of it due to just, you know, new players being thrown in there. And I think we need these long, killer drives to just, you know, ice the clock and not let the other team play.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, the running game is evolving kind of throughout the season. And what I said before the season is that I think this offense is going to look as close to Robert and I's preferred scheme as we've seen during the him and Broncos tenure at UVA. Mm -hmm. And I think this style of the running game is really what they envisioned when they got here. Now, you know, I'm not saying like this is, you know, some sort of revelation of performance, but, you know, there was positives here. And I think this is the direction you're going to see the run game go. You know, when they were at BYU, they still ran the spread scheme, but it was heavy on kind of design quarterback runs and not the runs we saw from Bryce Perkins, which were more speed, you know, outside the tackles this was exactly the offense with Taysom Hill that we're seeing with Brennan Armstrong, you know, power runs inside by the quarterback. Brennan Armstrong had 20 carries, you know, I bet half of them were just straight draws up the middle and mm-hmm. real powerful runs. And he showed a great burst there. You know, Keaton Thompson comes in as a bit of a change of pace guy at quarterback, a bit of a gadget guy and Shane Simpson, you know, for the first time this season, we saw a UVA player really make explosive plays on offense. You know, he had mm-hmm. a couple of, long runs, a long of 29 on the ground. And then obviously he had the 71 yard touchdown reception as well. Yep. So this rushing offense was balanced, not dominated by one person and effective. So, you know, I think what we saw Saturday against UNC is really what they're going to go for the rest of the season. And, you know, I think they've started to kind of, uh, started to kind of find a groove here with Keaton Thompson as well mm-hmm. um, and how to utilize him. And then lastly, you know, Ronnie Walker was available for this game. He didn't play. You know, it's tough to say, you know, him rumored being out with COVID the past two weeks. It's tough to say how much he's practiced, how ready he was for the game. But essentially the role they would use him in is very similar to the role they used Shane Simpson in. And he was so effective Saturday as well. So there's a lot of options. And I think this running game is evolving. And hopefully that's a good thing for not just the second half of this season, but looking ahead to next year as well.
0: Yeah. And I want to say, I think this game was all about the offense and what the offense did because with you know without the 44 points we don't win this game cuz clearly our you know our defense right now is is struggling to produce at the level that a lot of people thought they would and even though the secondary has been really to be honest disappointing this season and you know there's we already talked about the reasons for why that is but you know the linebackers to a certain point, have also I think underperformed to a lot of people's standards and what they thought. Until the last this past game, um, f- this past game the linebackers really showed out. Four of the five top tacklers on in uh, Saturday's game were linebackers. Nick Jackson led the way with eleven. Then Snowden had ten. Noah Taylor had six, and Zane had five. Amos is the only one, uh, only secondary player in there with eight. But of course. I think when you have a safety, I hate when the safety leads the team in tackles, um, like uh, Blanding did all those years. Yeah, the quick Blanding effect. Yeah, yeah, because it just means that the rest of the team is no good at tackling. (laughs) It's when the safety (laughs) is tackling everyone. But yeah, um, four of the five top tacklers are from the uh, linebacker position. All five sacks come from the linebacker position. Snowden just balled out with four sacks and four tackles for loss. Nick Jackson had one sack and one tackle for loss. You know, they, they played the way that we thought they could play this whole year. And I don't know, you know, maybe why it's it's taken a couple of games to kind of get them going. I mean, Nick Jackson's been having a great year so far. Snowden has not. And actually, Snowden was kind of called out by, I think, Bronco in one of his press conferences saying, you know, he, he needs to perform. Um, and he performed today. You know, four sacks is nothing to joke about. And that really helped this team to and help this defense to step up
1: yeah and you know i'll even raise you one on that you know i'll say the linebackers were really underperforming until last week against miami okay and against miami you saw a performance that was a bit more indicative of you know what we expected this season and you know a lot of the play has been attributed to switching around um charles snowden and uh noah taylor on the sides of the field they play you know Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the season They had flipped them from what they were last year. Now we have Snowden playing more on the field side and uh, Taylor more on the boundary side. But, you know, regardless, this was a group that I would say probably with the exception of Nick Jackson, you know, was underperforming until we got to the Miami game and the Miami game just uh, they were just on a different level. And, you know, Charles Snowden looking at his past two weeks, 7.5 tackles for loss, five sacks one forced fumble and one pass breakup, mm-hmm. you know, this is what we expected. And if you look at his sacks that came this past week, you know, it's not like he was winning one-on-one battles with tackles. You know, he's not like this dominant first round pass rusher. Yeah. But what he's really, really good at is knowing the situations and being in the right place. And especially in the run game, you know, holding his own and being in a position. And that's so much of what his sacks were. You know, Sam Howell would scramble and Charles Snowden would get there. Or, you know, just situations like that where he was really able to take advantage of his athleticism, his ability to play in space. So, you know, you look at what Snowden's done and, you know, Nick Jackson, like I said, it's been kind of a revelation this season. And then, you know, even on the defensive line, they played really, really well each of the past two weeks. Um, You know, I love what Jameer Carter has done for this defense. Coming in as a true freshman, he's able to take the nose tackle role which means Jawan Briggs, you know, our prize top 100 recruit mm-hmm. uh, two years ago, he's able, when Jameer Carter's played to the nose, Jawan Briggs is able to move to end, which is a place where he can be more effective and make more plays. Um, so, you know, and Adiv Atrawaya, the JMU transfer has also played really well this past weekend. So I love what's happening on the defensive line. I think these linebackers, you know, these past two weeks is exactly kind of what we expected from them this season. So, you know, again, secondary is bad. The secondary is going to be bad all season. But if the front seven can play like it did, it gives Virginia a chance. And that's what they're going to need in these games.
0: Yeah. And, I, you know, in not to take anything away from the, you know, from the deep, from the performance of linebackers in the front seven, but the defense really is just at some point, it, it was the reason why. This team wasn't moving forward. You know, last week they hold Miami to only 19 points, give up 41 to North Carolina. A lot of times in the past, especially the season, UVA wasn't able to get to win those games because they couldn't score that much, but this time we did. Um, Rob, I want to talk about the passing game a little bit, just because, you know, Brennan only completes 12 passes. He has 208 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Um, no receiver has more than four receptions. Highest uh, receiving yards was Shane Simpson with that seventy yard one or seventy one yard uh catch and and run. It was just an awful play by the defense to miss that tackle. But where you know after last season, where the passing attack really since uh Bronco took over, the passing attack has really been the focus of this team you know we have Ben Kurt who's just a straight gunslinger and then of course Bryce Perkins who comes in he's a good runner but he's also passing a lot too um do you think moving forward especially against next week against Louisville do are we going to see more of the run game uh against the of against these uh, opponents
1: yeah, I mean, we're certainly going to see more of the run game. We're seeing the run game more get more effective. The offensive line has also been playing really well. You know, it should be mentioned, you know, the starting five has played strong, but we're also rotating guys in. You know, Joe Bissinger has played a lot. Bobby Haskins, who started at left tackle last year, is working his way back from injury. So he's coming in as a swing tackle in certain situations. And even uh, Garrick Bulmer got some run at center. So not only is the starting offensive line strong, but its backups are strong too. So that's a big part of it. And I think the ability to uh, run the ball is certainly going to help out. Now, you know, speaking of the passing game being a weakness, admittedly, a lot of it's personnel. And you look at what's happened these past couple of years with these receiving classes, you know, you obviously lose Joe Reed and the Cease DuBois. So who, who's your rising senior of the group? You know, it's Terrell Jana. So Terrell Jana. Didn't know how he was going to perform as number one receiver. I would say he's done okay this year, but he's certainly not a dominant force. He's certainly more of a complimentary player than a focal point yeah. as a player. So let's look at the rest of these classes. You know, the current junior class, I would say Tavares Kelly has so far generally underperformed. Billy Kemp is a really, really solid possession slot receiver, but not a game breaker. All right, so now we look at, you know, the sophomore classes. Yugo Abasi has been hurt Um for a while now, you know, can't seem to get on the field. Dontavian Wicks, who was going to be the breakout player this year, at least that was the anticipation. Dontavian Wicks out with an injury, out for the season. Dorian mm-hmm. Goddard, another freshman. He's a COVID out Nathaniel Beale, uh, he would have been a redshirt freshman this season for his ACL last year, took time to get back. He has a number now, but hasn't seen the field. And, you know, Lavelle Davis, our star freshman, he has an injury now after missing some games with COVID. Now he has an injury. Looks like he might be out for the season. And, you know, so we go up and down this list and we see, you know, it's maybe a bit too early to say if some of these guys were recruiting misses, but we see a group that at the underclassman level has been hit by injuries and, you know, has been hit just personnel wise. You know, this is just a group that has not stayed intact over the off-season the way we thought it might. So a lot of this is personnel driven. And, you know, that's why you bring in a transfer like Rashawn Henry. Now, Rashawn Henry has two catches for two touchdowns, each of which in the past two games, which has been nice, but he hasn't even lived up to what we thought he might be. Mm -hmm. So this is just a receiver room that, you know, I don't know if it's lacking talent right now, but at the very least, it's lacking bodies. And I think the ability for Virginia to go towards more of a ground-focused attack in the second half of the season will benefit them so much just because this season they're going to lack the ability to move the ball consistently through the air so to me this falls more on the receiver room than it does Brennan Armstrong because I've been impressed with Brennan you know the interceptions need to come down you have also need to see kind of some growth week to week which I think we did see for the first time you know after his injury seeing that from Miami to UNC so I'm I'm still confident Brennan Armstrong can be a good quarterback for UVA but the passing attack just lacks the personnel right now on the outside to really be effective this season Mm -hmm.
0: yeah I agree Um, that's a really good way of putting it just like the personnel is there and and for the running game I think the coaching staff has done a really good job of incorporating Thompson into the game as best they can you know Bronco wants to have the the best players on the field at the at all times and thompson is i think one of those players who he believes is going to help us win i have a question is the um is the waiver for covid related stuff does that apply for football because i know that there are some spring sports and some winter sports where players can stay an extra year if they want to is that applied to football as well
1: Does. So it's a little bit tricky and I don't know if the details have been totally finalized, but yeah, so this season eligibility is frozen for football, meaning, Mm -hmm. you know, they it's almost as if everyone redshirts. Eligibility is frozen. Okay. Now what that means, what we've been told is that there typically football rosters have a limit of eighty-five scholarships for any given season. So what we've been told is that the scholarship limit will be extended next year. Okay. For the 2021 season. But for 2022, the scholarship limit is going to come back down to its 85. Okay. So what we, what do we know about that? It means kind of this blanket rule that everyone gets an extra year of eligibility. Only so many people are going to be able to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Just because these roster sizes aren't going to be expanded forever. They're only going to be expanded for one year. Right. What we also know about this season is that there are huge... Budgetary shortfalls across all of collegiate athletics. You know, UVA is looking at running a $30 million loss for this coming year. So, what that tells us, you know, UVA probably isn't thrilled about maybe shelling out extra scholarships for 20 guys, you know, if they don't need to. So, you know, you have all of this on your mind. Um, So, yes, I think a few players might take advantage of this extra year, but I don't think. I don't think the expectation is gonna be this free year of eligibility is gonna to too dramatically change the outlook of these rosters,
0: yeah, okay, so my I guess my question was, do you think Thompson is one of those players who maybe takes advantage of another year of eligibility next year and stays on? maybe we continue this dual quarterback system for another year, and you know to be to be quite honest, whenever this happened in the past at u v a it's kind of been a disaster. You know, think back to um, the Rocco Watford years where, you know, we were flipping back and forth between them and it it never really worked as well as I think the coaching staff wanted to or as well as it could have. But I feel like right now it's doing a really good job of working between Brennan being more of a passing guy who can also run and uh, Keaton, who is just a pure runner, didn't even complete a pass or didn't attempt to pass. Against North Carolina, it reminds me a little bit of. And I'm, a, I'm a Saints fan. I'm, it reminds me of the Saints. Uh, Drew Brees, it, he's not running the ball. Uh, he ha, he does have a couple of rushing touchdowns this season. He had a couple of rushes in the game against the Bears on Sunday, but you know when when uh what's his face Taysom Hill comes in. He, you know, he's running the ball. He doesn't pass a lot. He he has a couple catches this season, but he is running the ball when he gets a chance. And I feel like UVA is doing that a little bit. You know, Bronco is or and I are kind of taking that Taysom Hill mold, trying to put Thompson in on it. And I like it. I I think it works really really well with this system.
1: Yeah, and you know, so Thompson Thompson came to UVA with two years of eligibility. So he'll be, you know, oh. under norm- normal circumstances, he'd be I... eligible next year anyway and he was actually asked in his press conference today would you consider staying on for, you know, another year and he said, you know, he hasn't really thought about it but it certainly he wouldn't rule it out. So, yeah, that's definitely an okay. option. I think what you said is perfect, you know, the London 2QB system that we've saw for so many years, you know, that was, you know, alternating drives, you know, a lot of it was scripted. And then it was feel and, you know, it just felt weird. You know, they were trying to run the same offense, just with two different quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just a disaster waiting to happen. And like you said, this, what we've seen with Keaton Thompson is way more of the Saints mold. you know, Keaton Thompson, think of him more as a gadget player than as a quarterback. Right. You know, he comes in and you don't know what's going to come. This isn't, you know, we're going to have Mike Rocco one possession and then we're going to have Phillip Sims the next. This is Brendan Armstrong is our quarterback and we're going to find a way to use Keaton Thompson's talent. So, I mean, you know, the way it worked, I think, can work potentially throughout the season.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's just incredible how they're using him. I, they're using him exactly like Taysom Hill on the Saints. He He's on special teams. He catches passes. He runs a lot. He throws sometimes, like, in weird situations, like that jump pass on the goal line. Uh, who who was that against? He had a jump pass on the goal line this season. So, yeah, you know, there's there's weird time. I think it was against nc state or wake i think it was against wake yeah
1: it was just somewhere in there it was
0: against wake um but like yeah they're using him exactly like that and they're they're not forcing it but they're using it in situations where it will be successful and i really appreciate that because you know in the past when you when a lot of teams try and use two quarterbacks you as you said they either do it on alternating drives or they do it on like you know, after a first down or, you know, they, when one guy comes in, it's clearly a run, but he's been such a gadget player that it's been a real tool for this team instead of like a distraction.
1: Yeah. And, you know, really, you know, I've got to say it, you know, credit to Robert and I and how the game was called on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like you said, he used Keaton Thompson perfectly and, For the weapons we do have on offense, it kind of has to flow really well. And, you know, I'm not going to say, you know, Robert and I has been perfect, you know, unless unless you're winning every game, you know, it's so easy to just blame things on the offensive coordinator. But I thought the play calling was solid and I thought the rhythm was solid. So, you know, credit where credit's due. I think, you know, you really have to tip your cap to Robert and I and how, you know, he's gone about these past few weeks and rotating in these quarterbacks. And looks like we hopefully found. solution that's going to work the rest of the season based on what we saw Saturday.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Rob, Rob, I want to look ahead to our next game against Louisville next week. And I also want to play another game with you. I've made up another game uh, just on the fly. (laughs) We're going to play it. Um, But before that, I do want to get in a word from our sponsors over at bet online. The wait is finally over football is in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you get in on everything possible this season. From game spreads and to- totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use the promo code ARMCHAIR, A-R-M-C-H-A-I-R to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. BetOnline, your sp- online sportsbook experts. And we are also sponsored by Rob's favorite, Manscaped. Listen up, fellas, because today we have a new Manscaped product alert. Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker nose, hair, and ear trimmer. Take a look in the mirror, and I guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of those holes. Time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as your clean, shaven balls. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Weed Whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent Nick's snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped WeWacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered, 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Its intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience and is waterproof, which makes it for easy operation and cleaning. The only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium-ion battery that lasts for up to 90 minutes of use. Have you ever pulled out your nose hair with your fingers? That might hurt worse than getting your balls kicked. Manscaped is making whacking your weeds a time to look forward to delivering maximum confidence while providing hygiene. Yes, you will get a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable. Look, guys, 79% of partners polled admitted that their nose hair is a major turn off. It's time to upgrade your Manscaped routine with the Weed Whacker. Get 20% off free shipping with code armchair at manscaped.com. Thank you, Manscaped, for keeping our balls clean and the hairs in our holes looking nice rob i heard Very you nice i heard you giggling what's up
1: <laughs> just
0: happy man just happy we, happy happy to be two and four <laughs> happy to be two and four rob let's go ahead and let's talk about um next week against louisville what are you looking for in this game um and just a just a like a quick thing on Louisville. They are currently um, two and five. I think also underperforming this year, especially their offense, which, you know, was pretty good last year, underperforming a little bit. What should we look for next week against Louisville?
1: Yeah, you know, offensively, I think we need to look for more of the same, exactly what we talked about, you know, efficient football. Um, you know, ability to move the ball without negative plays or turnovers and, you know, hopefully really take advantage of the ground game. You know, Louisville is not very good, um, especially with respect to their rushing defense. So I think that's something you certainly have to keep your eyes on. Defensively, you know, Louisville has struggled some, but listen, they've scored uh 34 points against Miami just this past week. They scored 35 points against Tech. You know, they're not some offensive juggernaut, but they can put points on the board. So defensively, again, you know, we caveat everything with the defense this year. We know the secondary is bad. So it's the front seven, you know, can you create pressure? And, you know, can you limit the run game? You know, I forget um, the stat. So, God, I'm trying to find it real quick in the game notes. So, um, Okay. Well, I saw it somewhere. UVA <laughs> is something like they're like 12 and one or 13 and one under Bronco Menon when they hold their opponent to under 100 rushing yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this rushing defense is something that, you know, really is going to have to be the thing that, you know, Virginia Hangs has had on this year because the passing defense we know just is not going to live up to what we think it should, probably should be. So, yeah. you know, overall, you know, it's just got to be complimentary football. And it's just gotta happen, and it's gotta be efficient,
0: you know this um this Louisville team is kind of weird, and they don't really perform the same week to week. And I'm gonna tell you why right now you know they start off they they're kind of a high scoring team they score forty or they score thirty five against western Kentucky and they score thirty four against Miami in a loss um and then they of course they they kind of like us, they lose four in a row. To Miami, Pitt, Georgia Tech, which is a bad loss; they lose by nineteen to Georgia Tech, and the Notre Dame, who they almost upset on the road. Twelve, they lose twelve to seven. They beat Florida State; they crush Florida State, forty-eight to sixteen. And then they lose at Virginia; they lose against Virginia Tech. Uh, they score thirty-five points again against Tech. Um, they're, I think. I think the offense is there. I think it's their defense that is holding them back, kind of like us this year. Um, I, I see a lot of similarities with this team where they they have the pieces, but I think you know in this weird season, maybe they didn't get enough time together in the off season. Maybe they haven't put it together quite enough. Um, you know, it's just been a weird a weird season for a lot of teams. We play them at home, eight p.m. on ACC Network. This could be the third week in a row that we're eight p.m. on ACC Network. How do you feel about that? Before we go into anything else, how do you feel about eight PM games?
1: I'm fine with the eight PM games. I hate ACC Network. ACC Network <laughs> is just the worst production on any television. Like it's terrible. You don't so, like
0: you don't like the the zooming in on the wrong player for the for each play. <laughs>
1: Or the misplays, mm-hmm. or any of that. Okay, good yeah. to know. So, anyway, that that's what I stand on ACC Network. Uh-huh. <laughs> but we're back this coming week.
0: Yeah, we're back. Um, we're back on APM Prime Time on ACC Network. What are you looking to see the Who's continue to do against this Louisville team?
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's just got to be the same, man. You know, it's got to be consistent, complimentary football and. You know, this is, like I said, when we started this, you know, this is an opportunity really for UVA to carry some momentum forward. You know, ideally you want to see another game where Brennan Armstrong shows progress, you know, be it by more completions, be it by less interceptions, you know, whatever it is, you know, you want to continue to see growth from Brennan Armstrong. And, you know, like, you know, again, like we said, this isn't a season where UVA is, you know, going to the Orange Bowl again. You know, this is somewhat of a rebuilding year. I think we're just looking to show progress, you know, finish this season on strong footing and, you know, hopefully be able to salvage a rough, you know, one in four start into potentially a winning record if you're lucky enough and just really carry momentum throughout the season. I don't think expectations are unrealistically high. I think this Virginia team just needs to go out and perform at the level, you know, that they can perform. And, you know, hopefully we can start turning this season around.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I would love to see the secondary uh, step up a little bit and prevent some of the uh, strong passing attack from Louisville. While Louisville has lost a lot of games, their passing attack has been pretty good. Uh, Malik Cunningham, the quarterback for Louisville, has 1,000. Uh, 1,700 yards so far, which is about 800 more than Brennan, uh, 15 touchdowns to eight interceptions. So it's clearly a very pass-forward team and a very offensive team as well. Hawkins, their rushing leader, has 822 yards and seven touchdowns. Our rushing leader, Wayne Talapapa, has 330 yards and four touchdowns. So there's clearly a a big yardage difference uh, with these two teams, uh, as well as uh, their leading receiver, uh, Tutu Atwell, 520 yards to billy camp 402 yards five touchdowns to one touchdown so it's there's a big difference in the offense but i think louisville's defense is not great either which is why they keep losing all these games the spread is actually in favor of virginia 2.5 point spread um if you're betting through bet online rob who do you take in this game
1: (laughs) i've learned my lesson not to uh make predictions on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) so i will leave it to bet online to lead you in the right direction
0: fair enough it's weird that the spread is in favor of virginia but the matchup predictor on espn gives louisville the edge uh so for you betting guys out there uh take that into mind louisville so far this season is three three and one against the spread and virginia is four and two against the spread uh I don't know how many of our listeners actually bet on games, but I would say that uh, take that in consideration. So clearly, it's going to be a close <laughs> game. Uh, Vegas thinks it's going to be a close game. I think it's probably going to be a close game as well. These are two teams that really need a, another win in this uh, in this weird year. I think that both these teams are probably out of the ACC championship running at this point but definitely fighting for uh, a better bowl game as well rob any other last kind of thoughts uh on this louisville game next week
1: no no i mean hopefully we covered it all right um yeah i mean i'm just i'm excited for this game and you know i think you know we talk about thin margin for error you know really this team was a failed fake punt conversion away from being one in five. Right. So really this being kind of a lost season altogether, I think what we've seen now is, you know, a bit of optimism and, you know, hopefully enough to kind of make the best of what we can this season.
0: All right. That's good. Uh, Rob, we're going to play a weird stat game uh, together. I, I, I know we played a game last time. We're going to play another weird stat game this time. So, once again, this is not a UNC podcast, but we are going to talk about diami Brown, who has really feasted on UV- the UVA secondary the past two years. This year, he had uh, 240 yards with three touchdowns. Last year, he had 202 yards and three touchdowns. This season, against UVA, Diami Brown had an average catch of 21 y- 8 yards 21.8 yards what was his average catch last year was it higher or lower than 22.8 yards
1: i'll guess higher
0: you're correct it was 33.7 yards per catch last season only six catches for 202 yards three touchdowns last season against uva he has six touchdowns and over 400 yards uh, against uva in two matchups, so I mean, he loves playing UVA, but they keep losing. So I don't really care yeah, how much. Yeah, that's he, what I was gonna say. Yeah, I don't, I, he keeps losing. So I don't care how much he scores. Um, our kicker Brian Delaney, we've had him for three years. He uh, he served us pretty well, I would say, over the past three years. How many extra points has Delaney missed? over the past 3 years he missed one on Saturday against UNC um kind of made it a little iffy at the end if it if it was going to matter or not uh probably played into the decision to go for it on that fourth down but how many extra points has he missed over the past 3 years
1: I'm going to guess 3 the one he had yesterday and then um, or the one Saturday and then the one he had against Virginia Tech and the one against Florida State. So I'll say he's missed three extra points. Mm -hmm.
0: That's exactly right. Three extra points missed. The interesting thing about Brian Delaney, he has never kicked a field goal within uh, the 20-yard line. Uh, One to 19 yards. He he has never kicked a field goal. He is perfect from 20 to the 29 range in his career. Perfect. Um, He is also pretty good in the 40 to 49-yard range. He's only missed one over his career he is um he is eight of nine he has uh, missed his only field goal over 50 yards long it's in the 30 to 39 range where delaney's accuracy is kind of shaky he is 17 of 25 from the 30 to 39 range which is kind of where you really want your kicker to be um really solid is in that is in that mid range kind of section. I think that's really interesting that Delaney's like really good from 40 out, but kind of iffy in that 30 yard range.
1: Yeah, dude. I mean, guys and ties stats and info, right? Guys here. and ties stats <laughs> and info. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really interesting.
0: Uh, Rob, one last thing. When was the last time North Carolina beat UVA in, in men's basketball or football?
1: Well, I know football, the last game, was 2016, Broncos' first year. And then basketball, man, you know, call it, I think they beat us one of two games in that uh, 16-17 season, so probably 2017.
0: So shout-out to our guy Danny Nickel on Twitter. He has told us the stats. Uh, UNC has not beat UVA in football in four one thousand 1,471 days, and I guess that's longer now. So I guess that's 1,473 days, and UNC has not beaten UVA in men's basketball in 1,352 days, and once again, that is longer as well. But it's been a while, so it uh, feels good to beat the UNC UN cheat, as I like to call them, and uh, hopefully that continues into the future this season as UVA basketball should be pretty good and I guess that's where we're gonna move on to now there's been some basketball news coming in this past week with recruiting Rob what is has been the recruiting news for basketball we actually lost a couple recruits unfortunately
1: yeah so the recruiting news is kind of brings clarity by subtraction you know we have Caleb Houston who was um, on Virginia's radar he commits to Michigan this weekend. Uh, you also have Trey Kaufman, who is also on Virginia's radar. He commits to Purdue over the weekend. So basically what that means for UVA is really their top two targets right now to join the class of 2021 is shooting guard Trevor Keels and center Efton Reed. So both of these guys, top 25 guys, Trevor Keels, 24-7, has him Um at number 16 overall in their composite rankings, Efton Reed uh, at number 22 overall. So, you know, what this really means is, you know, starting to narrow the pool, who potential Virginia recruits could be, you know, not that Virginia is necessarily in the lead for either Reed or Keels, but they're in the picture at least. So, you know, we're just starting to get a little bit of clarity. And what this also means too is that, you know, sometime, maybe not necessarily now, but sometime potentially in the near future, we're going to start seeing scholarship offers to class of 2022 guys go out. Mm -hmm. So Tony Bennett and Virginia are kind of unique in that they don't offer scholarships to the next class until they've filled out their current class. So, so far, no uh, scholarship offers have gone out to class of 2022 recruits yet. That doesn't mean Virginia isn't actively recruiting guys, doesn't mean Virginia's not having their zoom calls and coordinating and doing everything they should be doing, but it means formal offers have not gone out. So what we're going to probably start to see is, you know, the recruiting pool narrow a bit. Um, and then also just getting a bit more clarity on how Virginia is going to approach the roster um, for the future classes. Now yeah. it should be mentioned for the class of 2021, UVA has a commitment from Tane Murray. So that has, gives them 11 scholarships so they still have two open spots they can fill in this class of 2021
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so hopefully we we fill those soon I know you know last year especially when we had um, McCorkle um, Jabri and as well as Beekman all commit kind of early pretty early it felt really nice to know what your um, what the recruiting class was going to look like this year it's a little bit different I think with you know COVID and everything it's been a little bit harder for coaches to not only assess players but for players to choose their school that they're going to go to um, not as many visits have taken place a lot of virtual visits I think it's a little difficult just for everyone and for recruiting in general so hopefully you know we get some more clarity on that soon but also we have no we now know four games of UVA schedule so far so no ACC scheduled yet but we do have the first four well not the first four, but we do have four games on UVA schedule so far. So we start off the season November 25th against St. Peter's University in the Mohegan Sun, Bubbleville in Connecticut. Rob, do you know where St. Peter's University is?
1: <laughs> Can you tell me?
0: I want you to guess first.
1: Uh, so it looks like it's in Jersey City, New Jersey.
0: Oh, you looked it up.
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's
0: in jersey city so um i've never heard of saint peter's before but uh you know either there are a lot of basketball teams in the uh in d1 so unsurprising that we haven't heard of them but we will start off in the bubble against saint peter's and then we will also play florida in the bubble for sure uh that will be on november 27th so two days later And uh, that'll be fun, kind of during Thanksgiving. Get some, uh, get some basketball in. You know, a lot of times during Thanksgiving, there's not only football, which I know you love, but also there's a lot of basketball tournaments, which is great. And uh, I'm excited to see that. And then the game we all wanted for you know the last seven years, Michigan State in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, ACC Big Ten Challenge. At home in Charlottesville, December ninth, I am so frustrated that the one year that we're not going to allow to have fans in the arena, or maybe not a lot of fans. I don't think, I don't think they've said how many fans they're going to have, but I assume it's going to be less than what they have for football because the small arena. It's also indoors, but the one year we're going to have less fans or limited fans is the one year we get Michigan State in the ACC big 10 challenge that frustrates me
1: (laughs) yeah well you know we're probably not going to have fans at that game so that's frustrating also like the Villanova game dude like it would have been so much fun to go up to New York for Mm -hmm. that weekend and see that game which I'm really not expecting enough fans in Madison Square Garden either
0: yeah and Villanova that game is gonna be in Madison Square Garden in New York City December 19th at noon um that's going to be a great game. I'm really excited for that. I'm really happy that UVA and Villanova uh, worked somehow worked out a way to keep that game on the schedule and also to have MSG host it on that day. Uh, it was really great, so I'm excited for that, and that should be a fantastic game. I wonder, have they said if it's going to be on CBS or ESPN? Because they already have a time for it.
1: Yeah, you know, I actually don't know. Although I will say, I love those like daytime CBS primetime games. They yeah. just hit different.
0: They do with Jim Nance <laughs> on the call. Um, oh yeah, I I just I love it. We've had a couple of them. Villanova was one. We played one against Duke, um, uh, a couple of years ago, and I just yeah, I'm not sure if it's going to be on CBS or ESPN or something like that. I would kind of guess it's going to be on CBS. I, they do a lot of um, uh, biggie stuff as well. So, yeah. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. Um, Rob, any other basketball stuff that you want to bring up before we uh, finish up this pod?
1: No. Well, the one other piece of news that came out today is Kihei Clark is the only returning ACC mm-hmm. player on um, the. Is it? koozie award mm-hmm. yeah the
0: koozie award watch list
1: yep
0: yeah so uh the watch list for the best point guard in the country the koozie award uh came out today kihei clark is on that with a lot of other players uh returning junior for the uva men's basketball team uh that's exciting i don't know if he if if he's gonna win you know uh, i think a lot of it you know uva's stats are always kind of deflated because of the pace that we play at so not a lot of players get on you know all-american lists or you know the watch lists are are fun but you know not a lot of players get all the way there you know brogdon was on a all-american team justin anderson was on 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 all-american team Uh, so is kyle guy but i don't know if i don't know how far he is gonna get but it's exciting to be on that award and it's nice for him to be recognized as one of the top point guards in the country for this upcoming season
1: yeah certainly and you know the first thing that like came to mind when you were like oh yeah like junior point guard kihei clark like (laughs) the dude is only halfway through his college career it just feels like he's been around forever
0: yeah it's the uh it's that that long-term effect jay huff same thing he's gonna be a senior and it feels like we've been talking about when is jay huff gonna break out (laughs) forever (laughs) you know we got one more year of jay huff uh J Huff, uh, watch. Um, and so we will, uh, make sure to keep up on that. I do want to say one more thing. It was fun to watch the practice video that UVA put out uh, for their basketball. It was only 30 seconds, but it was nice to see some of the new guys. Nice to see some of the old guys. And it was just a fun time. You know, it's almost basketball season feels a little bit more normal now. And unfortunately probably not a lot of people are going to be able to go to the games. It's probably just going to be like family and friends type of deal. Same with the football, but it'll still be really nice to have that kind of, you know, same kind of slow pace, uh, stressful two hours, you know, once or twice (laughs) a week. So I'm excited for it. And, uh, with that, I think we are done for today. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at guys and guys pod. Make sure to follow us on Snapchat and Instagram for that bonus content. At Guys and Ties Pod, go ahead and follow us on Spotify and iTunes too if you want to keep listening to us. And check out Armchair Media; they've got a lot of great podcasts about a lot of great uh, sports. So make sure to check them out. And we will see you guys next time. Go Hoos! Beat Louisville.